Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Welcome to Millennial Property with John Pigeon, and I'm joined by Emily Wallace. Hello, Emily. We're just laughing, everyone, because you just both looked at each other about who was going to go first. Welcome, <laughs> welcome, everyone. <laughs> We've got ourselves together now. We're all good. <laughs> I just usually sit back and wait for Emily to talk. <laughs> <laughs> we're both here, and we're here for a great episode. We are. Q&A. Q&A, always my favourite because it's so diverse and I feel like you get little pockets of wisdom um, every time a question's asked. So there you go. And it uh, makes us think a bit, doesn't it? It definitely does. So let's kick it off. I've got Rosie. Um, I don't have a last name, but just Rosie. And she has asked, how do you manage house hunting fatigue? Yes, common one in a, a heated market, I suppose. Not as common in a in a flat market um, mm. where, where prices aren't steaming ahead. Uh, I'll have a go at this one if you want and then you can come yeah, in over the top. I would think you've got to have a view of a long-term outcome. So you might be in the grind, open home after, after open home, auction after auction, week after week, seeing properties slip through your fingers and continually getting frustrated, a lot of energy, a lot of grey brain matter. Um, I think you've got to keep a sight on on what it is that you want to achieve. So if it's buying your own or occupy a home, okay, that's going to be a a 20, 30-year journey, putting in the hard work now, insignificant over the next 20 or 30 years. Um, If it's an investment property, similar mindset. If we're holding it for a long term, if we work out how many hours we've put into buying the property and we're holding it for 10, 15, 20 years longer, uh, the the time spent is actually quite minor, isn't it? Um, and, And in fact, some people spend less time buying a property than they do a pair of shoes. So just understanding the long game would be my main response to that one what about you look I think um and I probably sit on the more emotional side of the fence because of the nature of helping a lot of first home buyers like I get a lot of people calling me saying like we're just over it we're really over it we're not enjoying it anymore we've been looking for eight weeks we can't find anything I've had people that have called me been looking for 18 months and I'm like "Mm, does what you want actually exist if you've been looking that long Mm. uh so I think it can, the fatigue can be really real in the home buying space because you feel quite disheartened. The more you look and the more you keep missing out in a heated market, the more you start to go, should I even be buying in this area or should I reconsider? And I guess it's sort of a question there around like, when do you start reconsidering what your options are and how can you move your scope to better match what's going on out there? You know, that can be on a a micro level, like, you know, you might just adjust that instead of 
wanting two bathrooms, you might be okay with one bathroom in the house. But it also could be on a macro level where actually this price point in this area has now escaped us and we have to consider another suburb. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Um, that's why it works well, you and I. You come in with full emotion and I have no emotion whatsoever. Um, <laughs> now, one thing I, I often speak to clients about and and people that reach out will say, oh, look, I've been trying to buy, I just haven't had any luck or I've, uh, I'm just getting frustrated with the process. And, and I ask them, well, how many offers have you put in? How many open homes have you been to? And the response is, well, actually, I've only put in one offer on a house. I missed out. Um, and I've been to maybe a dozen open homes. Um, so you've got to look at what you've actually done and the work you've put in and w- working smart through that process, not necessarily harder. Um, now, I was always told, and, and people have heard this before from me, look through 100, put in 10 offers and buy one. Now, in, in a heated market, it's definitely harder than that um, because you it just the days on market are extremely low. But uh, I, I, suppose, I think what I'm getting at is the understanding the expectations that it's going to be a slog and, and be prepared to put the work in. And I'm not saying people aren't. Um, oh, there's that non-emotion coming out of me again. But I think understanding what you're up for and then... If, if you feel that the strategy that you're applying is not working, then redesign that strategy or we sit out of the market and roll back in in 12 months' time. Definitely. Just one final thought to add on that question overall there is, although people obviously have a budget and a limit, working out when you need to stretch and when that's suitable to do so because the one thing I hate hearing, it happens all the time, is people miss out on a property by a very small amount and they always refer back to that property like oh it's not as good as Smith Street and that becomes the reference point Mm. and then it's like well we can't replicate that unless we build it ourselves Um, and that might be very costly to do so um, making sure that you you don't find yourself in a position where you're like, oh, we actually, we could have afforded that one, but we didn't, you know, want to push that far. Sometimes in the home buying space, you actually do have to push yourself a little bit. Mm. Yeah, yeah, true. It's uh, and and having someone like yourself holding their hand often helps too as a bit of a reference point as well, and and keeping that in check to know what has sold and and knowing that the journey along the way, um, uh, that shoulder to lean on is is pretty important, isn't it? Definitely. Now, along the same line, I believe we had a question from someone around valuations, because um, I know that is a hot topic. Um, well, always really, valuations are something that we must um, have when we're buying a property. We have to get the bank to value it and make yes. sure that what we've paid for the property is what the bank says it's worth. But what was the question on that one? Yeah, it was a long question, so bear with me. Um, Melissa Tebutt on the My Millennial Money Facebook page, looking to buy our first home and interested in a particular property, was going to make an offer tomorrow, two weeks before auction, so ask CBA what their valuation of the property is, and it seems are really low in this current market, two to 300,000 than what we were prepared to pay for it and what similar properties in the area are selling for. So the property is likely to have to undergo a full valuation. 
if the seller accepts our offer. I've heard that if a property goes to auction that the value will generally accept the final auction price as the value of their property but as we were going to make an offer beforehand, not sure what the valuer would calculate. I'm nervous that we will offer more than what the CBA values it in at after we've signed the contract. Any advice? That's a that's a big one and a very common uh, situation. Um, first and foremost, let's just clear up something. So banks won't do a full valuation in this environment until they have a signed contract of sale and they'll go and actually, they'll either do it a desktop one um, or they do what's called a curbside valuation where they essentially on the curb. Yep. <laughs> um, that's the nature of a curbside val. Um, Drive or they'll do a full, a full actual walkthrough of the property and get someone to assess it in detail. Now, in that question, it mentioned that they've heard of some valuers um, when it's been an auction, just taking the contract of sale price for the auction because that is the market. Um, I've also heard that too um, from real estate agents that the valuers are calling up the agent and saying, how far under was the underbidder? And if it was like a thousand or five thousand under the sale price that it went for, they just take the contract of sale price. Mm, yeah. So. Yeah. I had an uh, interesting one with a client who was buying their principal place of residence here locally a couple of months ago. Uh, they got a valuation. It was from CBA actually, and it came in 70k low. It was a private sale. It didn't go to auction. Um, so they've got two auction, uh, two options in that case. And and this is where it comes back to your uh, settlement periods and your negotiation and what items you want in or out of the contract. So they had a 60 day settlement. So the valuation was done week two, week three. So they've still got a good month and a half up their sleeve to get their finance sorted. So uh, he believed he was paying fair market value for it. Uh, just CBA were having a bad day or the person valuing it was. So he actually went to Westpac or the broker did and got another valuation and that valuation came in on the dollar purchase price. So CBA's pre-approval went out the window, let's start a new application with Westpac and he got his finance, no problem at all. So that's a strategic way to get out of it but if you've only got a 28-day settlement in your contract, then you won't have time to do that. So coming back to negotiations and what you're offering, uh, but also understanding that low valuations um, can definitely happen. It's forecasting that it may happen. What are we going to do if that's the case? And also just to make mention on, on the timeframes there as well, um, I recently helped someone buy off-market and they wanted the valuation done pretty quick because they didn't have a finance clause. So they wanted to make sure they it was what they paid for. But the bank valuation is only valid for 90 days and their settlement was 120 days. So there was no point the valuer going in until it kind of got near that 90 day mark till it was going to be, you know, settled. Mm. Um, so just keep that in mind as well that you might not get an answer straight away if you've got a longer settlement too because bank values will go in a little bit later down the track. Yeah, yeah. Look, look and... I don't know about you, Emily, but in my experience, low valuations, they they occur, but they're not as common as, as people think. Um, mm. And it, it doesn't necessarily, because you get a low val, doesn't mean that you're paying too much for the property. There's 
there's been some weird and wonderful valuation reports given where the comparable sales that they're taking into account are just not even in the same suburb, let alone the similar dwelling type. So uh, at the end of the day, call it human error, call it lack of experience, but you've just got to make a judgment call on it. Definitely. So looping back in, I guess the predicament that this listener was in uh, was whether they place before auction or they let it go through to auction, knowing that a lot of value is a taking the contract or sale price at an auction. Um, I'm just going to say from a personal point of view, if that was me, I'd probably just let it run its course and go to auction. That's probably what I would do mm. because you're probably going to, you may enter a boardroom auction anyway. Like if you place an offer and then it's accepted by the vendor, the agent has to notify every buyer that's been through the property and anyone else who wants to compete, you end up in what's called a boardroom auction, which is actually physically in a boardroom in the agent's office ahead of the scheduled auction. And sometimes it railroads the campaign. Sometimes they don't like to do it. But the long story short on that, sorry, is a bit of a winded response. But um, I would personally just let it run through to auction and bid. Yeah. yeah, it can work against you definitely, especially, as you said, a boardroom option or uh, best offers by a certain date. Mm. All of a sudden they've changed the whole strategy of selling the home and it's best offers by five o'clock tomorrow, for example, that's even worse because at least at auction, you know what I'm bidding and you know what I'm bidding and et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, it's, it's an inter- interesting one that. And, and, and again, with that question, it's an awesome one because it's so common and, and it can derail your um, ability to purchase that property. But I would have in there a, a clause that would say subject evaluation. Yes. Definitely. So we've gotten through um, two questions. When we come back, we've got a further two meaty ones to get through. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a moment. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. We also have a panel of trusted mortgage brokers we can connect you with to get you into your first home, an investment property purchase, or to review your current loan if you don't have a broker. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Okay, so what are our meaty ones? Our meaty ones. Well, 
This one is actually a question that's, I think it's popped up before, but a lot of people need clarification around it. So it's from Ellie Mullen um, and she's looking at putting in an offer as well. But she's asking, when do I engage a conveyancer or solicitor because um, is it before I put in the offer or once the offer has been accepted? Um, when do I sign the forms? Very unsure about the offer process by the, the look of it. Now, we have done an, an episode on placing an offer on a property, definitely, but for an express answer on this one, do you know what? There actually are a couple of different angles to it because some people have different preferences. Even different conveyancing firms tell you different things, I'll be honest. I've heard mixed responses on this. Um, I don't know about yourself. I, rule of thumb, always have something reviewed before I put pen to paper. That's the rule for the business. That's the rule personally. We always get a contract reviewed before I put pen to paper. Is that similar along your lines of thinking? Uh, yes and no. Okay. <laughs> In a heat, heated market, I sort of um, ask for permission later, if that makes sense. So what I may do is put in an offer, sign a contract knowing that I've got a three-day cooling off period or five days, depending on the, the state that you're operating in. So that that's a little bit, bit of a get-out clause, knowing that you've got your conveyancer up your sleeve to look over the contract. But yeah, definitely in an ideal world, you would have your, your conveyancer look over that contract. Uh, there's 99 times out of 100, there's nothing too alarming in there. But yeah, it's a peace of mind thing from a, uh, a qualified individual. Definitely. We actually did do that recently. It's one of the first times I've done it. We had made the offer subject to the review. And the reason was it was actually over the Easter weekend. So we signed, we signed, I think, on the Thursday night before Good Friday. And then you get three clear business days for cooling off. And the, um, we wanted it done before Easter. We want to put pen to paper before the Easter long weekend. And then we had the review done on the Tuesday. It was all fine. Yeah. Uh, not my preferred way of doing it, but the clients were comfortable, which was good. One thing though, if you are going to auction, like there's no changing anything in that contract no. once you've signed it. So definitely get a review before. Yeah. Um, and one thing I would say is um, from what I hear, it is a little harder to get uh, terms removed or changed in the cooling off period. Like if you then identified when you got it reviewed, there was something amiss. Mind you, by the same token, you could say, well, look, either you change this or we're going to cool off. So mm. there's your ultimatum. Yeah, I'm actually going through that at the moment with a client. Um, again, okay. because of the heat of the market, I just wanted to get it off the market. So we've got the offer accepted and now in the cooling off, uh, I want a, a condition changed in the contract. So I'm sitting in the eye of the agent and potentially the vendor is we, we want to push through with this sale. So let's just change that um, clause in the contract versus going back to market and starting again. So um, I, I think I'm 99% sure it's going to work out fine because we're, we're, we're kicking the can down the road and we're probably 90% of the way there. So a bit of strategic negotiations there. Mm, most definitely. Now we have one final question to cover off on um, that was around renting, I believe. Um, we had someone in the Facebook group, I believe it was a Mel, who asked about, um, it's my first time considering a rental property. What should I be aware of? What tips have you got? Um, 
great question. A lot of yeah. people, particularly rent investors, you know, they're renters. Yes. So some tips, and I was just saying um, off air before, I know someone um, recently, one of my friends who's been looking for a rental property and uh, had to go through nine applications before they were accepted for one. And they actually engaged a rental advocate, which I'm, I actually think a lot of people don't know what that is. No, um, including me. they exist. So, <laughs> yeah, so rental advocate is like, what a buyer's advocate does, but for a rental property. So they advocate for you and find properties for you to rent and have relationships with the agent so they can pull strings, you know, possibly yeah. um, and, and get you in there. So some tips that actually the rental advocate had shared along that process, my friend was letting me know, uh, was landlords, yes. landlords do read cover letters. And I think that's a great tip that they actually do take the time. They want to know who is going to be living in their asset. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, my first tip before for all potential renters is stay at home with mum and dad as long as you can because you save more money doing that before you take the plunge. I think if uh, you interviewed 100 people, they uh, a lot of them would say, I could have saved more if I, I'd only stayed at home that little bit longer and put up with um, something that was bugging them at the time but any case getting on to the renter I think if um like it's like looking for property as a as a buyer to to purchase you've you've got to put the work in don't you so you've got to get out there get make yourself known make that um application look as glossy as property uh, as possible without telling any porkies and and hopefully the results will speak for themselves yeah, definitely. And I think um, trying to be friendly with the the real estate agents who are leasing it, the leasing agent, I actually just went through um, renting again myself. So I had a, a very short lease, a six-month lease in the property I was in pretty much for COVID and then recently relocated back to the suburb I, I very much love, Elwood. And in that process, the feedback from my now property manager was, you know, you were very timely with your communication. You gave us everything we needed to know. Um, and thanks for the cover letter too. Cause I knew, especially with the quality of property that we're living in, that the landlords would be of a certain caliber yes. if they own something like this. And I wanted them to go, you know, I'm not, even though I'm renting, I'm, I'm not too far from what you are and who you are. And I'm a professional as well. And yeah. just trying to put a face behind the application, I think was a real important thing. So don't dismiss um, putting some effort into a cover letter um, and being prompt with your responses to leasing managers as well. Yeah, no, that's a really good one. And and trying to put myself in the shoes of someone wanting to go and rent tomorrow, you, you want to find out who the who the landlord is don't you and and what do they appreciate who who would they like in their home um and if you are going to rent with someone someone that's got some rental history is is uh, a positive generally speaking for landlords so um maybe they put in the application not you um or, or have it in joint so that you, you've you've got a track record um someone unfortunately that hasn't rented before they've they've got no track history of yeah it's tricky and if you haven't rented before and you're competing you know in properties that are in high demand with other people who have got a, a good history of rental 
it's probably pointing out the obvious here, but you might need to take a property that's a little bit less desirable for the first 12 months just to get some rental history behind you. Like you might not get the best looking two bedroom apartment or house or whatever it is um, straight off the bat. You might just need to get into something that is not super competitive um, just to get some rental history behind you, get a reference from a property manager and then move on to the next bigger and better thing. Yeah. Yeah. Good tip. Good question, that one. It was a good question. We do love questions. Um, We try and get through, you know, four in an episode, sort of allow roughly five minutes for each to unpack it, which is what we have done today. So please, I always say this, but please do put them forward. We do read them. We do listen to you and uh, we love being able to give shout outs um, and find, find out where people will listen from as well. You know, like you could say, you know, hey, Emily and John, I listen to you on my way to work or I listen to you yeah. on my commute home on the train. Um, let us know like where you listen. I know a lot of people listen while they're walking. Mm-hmm. We actually, there was someone recently who their commute um, became an hour and 20 minutes and he said to me that he listened to three episodes each way <laughs> to and from work every day, um, which is great. Got through a lot of the content very quickly. So yeah, let us know where you're listening from. Um, and put some questions in for us and we happily will answer them for you. Absolutely. Hopefully we brighten their day. That's what we're here to do. Make you sparkle and be bright. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Very good. Always a pleasure. Well, thanks for tuning in, guys. We will uh, be back with you next week. Okay, bye. See ya. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respect to their elders, past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. Taking your property journey to the next level starts with education. That's why we make this podcast, but we've also created online courses to equip you with the knowledge you need to take the next steps. I've created the Solvair Online Academy, open to both first home buyers and seasoned investors, where I share my tips and experience from 20 years in the property space. And I've created the Buying Coach, built from my experience as a buyer's advocate to demystify the confusion around purchasing property, particularly for first home buyers. Follow the links in the show notes to sign up and get started today. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash Upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 